0: The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. And I'll invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open with me to Luke chapter 2. Lord willing, we will look at Luke two twenty-five through 35 this morning. And I want to preach a sermon entitled, New Hope for an Old Man. Uh, New Hope for an Old Man. Let me just ask a question. It, it, we just, it was kind of hard to get everybody in here this morning because you were having such a good time fellowshipping with one another, which is a great thing. One of the highlights of my morning was standing at one end of the hallway and looking across and seeing all of you just hugging and smiling and eating and laughing. Now, here's what I know. Right now, you're hopped up on sugar. And so I'm going to have to work really hard because in a minute, you're going to crash. And so you got to hang with me. But Let me ask a question. When it comes to the Christmas season, are you more Buddy the Elf, Santa, you know, or are you more the Grinch, you know, you know, I mean, I don't know who you are, I don't know what you're more like. I have to fight the tendency to be more Grinch, to be more Scrooge, Um, and that's, I guess, just how I'm wired but the older I get, the, the less I think Christmas to me, at least the commercialized version of Christmas, kind of has this luster for me. It sort of loses some of its edge. I mean, when you are a kid, Christmas is everything, right? And, and for me, it was everything. Christmas was the best day of the year. Forget the Super Bowl, forget any of those things, give me Christmas as a kid, right? But the older you get, sometimes, yeah, it's nice, but... In some ways, it's just another day, right? I mean, we get together with family, hopefully, and we enjoy that, and that's, that's become the best part of Christmas for the adults. But maybe, maybe for you, you are like me and you struggle to, to continue to be joyful and celebrate the miracle that Christmas really is. We're just saying that Jesus is our Emmanuel. Do you realize what Emmanuel means? God with us. God came to be with us. I mean maybe maybe as we grow older, we lose some of the luster because we we oftentimes have the money to buy things for ourselves throughout the year, and so we don't get so jacked up about this one day of the year where we get stuff, and so maybe it 's just one of those things, or maybe it's because the older you get, stuff becomes less and less important anyway I mean wouldn't you say that as adults? it just becomes kind of less and less, and it becomes more about family and, and, and the people that you love. Maybe it's because if you're losing the luster of Christmas and you're fighting the tendency to be more Grinch than, than, than Buddy the Elf, it's because your focus is in the wrong place. Perhaps mine is. Perhaps, perhaps the, the message of our culture tries to push us into a place that Christmas was never designed to go. See, the the objective is not that we would be Buddy the Elf or Grinch. It's that we would be more like those who gathered around that manger and understood what it meant. It would be more that we would be like Mary in the song that she sang last week. And today, it would be that we would be more like Simeon, this old man who'd waited all of his life and got to see the Lord's Christ. And was amazed, and, and in, in his amazement, he erupts into joy, and he says, Now, Lord, you're, you're letting your servant depart or die in peace. When you see Christ in Christmas, when, we, when that is our focus, then nothing else really matters. And that's what I want us to see this morning as we turn our, look, our, our gaze toward this, this old man and his waiting for the Messiah. So if you would follow along with me as I read Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. And for a sign that is opposed, the sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This morning I want to show you that this this baby made this old man wait. and This baby, though, gave this old man joy. And I want us to see why he had such joy. So first, this baby caused an old man to wait. We need to understand the context of what's happening at this time in Israel. It wasn't a very bright time in Israel's history. There had been 400 years of silence. If you read through the Old Testament, you understand that that periodically prophets would come on the scene with a message from God. Well, it had been 400 years. Just let that sink in. 400 years with no prophecy, with no prophet. The, The voice of God had gone gone silent in so many ways. Now, we know that he's not completely silent. He's still speaking to, to individuals because here we read that Simeon, it was revealed to him by the Spirit that he wouldn't die until he'd seen the Lord's Christ. So God still is speaking, but not in this official capacity through a prophet. It's 400 years of silence. The Jewish people at this point were suffering under the, the, the tyranny of the Romans and, and the religious landscape, even in Israel, had devolved into two groups. The, the Sadducees, which promoted this theological liberalism, if you will. And, and, and the Pharisees, who promoted this earning of God's favor through religious uh, legalism. And so there's this license on one side and legalism on the other, trying to, to earn favor with God and, and be in His good graces. And here's Simeon in the middle, waiting. Waiting. Clinging to the promises of God. We don't know a whole lot about Simeon. We don't even really know how old he is. We assume that he's an old man here. We're only told that he's righteous and devout. That he lived by faith. Here it tells us that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The word consolation is the word paraklesis in the original. And it means comfort or encouragement. You say, well, what what does that mean? Why is that important? Well, if you'd had 400 years of silence living under the tyranny of of a foreign nation with with things just spiraling out of control all around you, I think you need some consolation. And here's Simeon in the middle, and he's, he's waiting for the consolation. And this is not some empty wait. This is not something that he just has dreamed up, and he hopes one day God might perhaps offer this consolation. But God had told through one of the prophets previously that he would give this consolation. Isaiah had said, chapter 51, verses 3 and verse 12, Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. Her wilderness He will make like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and sound of a melody. I, even I, God said, am He who comforts you. And so the prophet Isaiah, 700 years or so before Jesus arrives, prophesies that one day God will bring this consolation, this comfort to the nation of Israel. And here all these years later is this old man Simeon waiting, clinging to this promise. And it wasn't merely this general promise to all of Israel, but he had been given this specific promise to him. him. He had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so, Simeon waited. He waited on this baby. This baby, though, when this baby arrived, brought this old man joy. All of these years of waiting, by now Simeon probably We don't know exactly, but probably he is an old man, a very old man. And for year after year after year after year, he has waited, hoping for the consolation of the Lord. And that's part of the reason why we we light these candles every week in the month of December, the weeks leading up to, to Christmas, is because we want to remind you of the waiting that took place. And Simeon waited, and all the while he was sustained by the Spirit of God, Three times in our passage, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is is mentioned here. In verse 25, it tells us that Simeon was provoked by the Spirit to wait. In verse 26, he was preserved by the Spirit to wait. And in verse 27, he was prompted by the Spirit to go to the temple because the waiting was finally over. When he goes into the temple, he's led there by the Spirit of God, and Mary and Joseph come in with the baby. He is overjoyed to the place where he takes the baby out of the arms of Mary, and he begins to bless the Lord. Now, I know, and you know, that there are certain things in life you just should not do. You should never ask a woman if she's pregnant, right? When you go to eat Mexican, you should never double dip. Because there are people sharing that bowl with you, right? You should never take the remote away from a man who's sleeping in a recliner. (laughs) Because he's watching that, right? And you should never, ever take a baby out of a mother's arms unless she has invited you to do so. There's a reason why she's called a mama bear. Well, Simeon can't help it in this moment. He's just, he's just overcome with joy. His heart is overflowing and it erupts in praise. He, he takes the baby from Mary and he begins to bless God. And the question we have in this moment is why? Why would this old man do such a thing? And he tells us. He tells us in the song that bursts from within him. And we'll walk through these. I want to show you these. This baby not only made an old man wait and gave him joy, but this baby brings peace. This is the first reason that that Simeon gives for why he sings and he's, he's got this joy, is this baby brings peace. In verse 29, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. And again, we we don't know how old he is. We presume that he's he's very old, but he, he had lived his life clinging to the promise of God's Word through the Holy Spirit. Now, now that he's seen the thing that he's waited for all of his life, now the One who has come, the One who had been promised generally and specifically has come, and he's seen the Lord's Christ, nothing else matters, and he's ready to die. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. Depart is not leave the temple. Depart is leave this earth. He's ready to die. I couldn't help but to question while I was studying this, we assume that he's an old man, but what if his age has nothing to do with this? What if Simeon would have been told at 18 years old, you won't die until you see the Lord's Christ, and he waited five years or so, and he's 23 at this moment, Five years is a long time to wait on anything. I mean, you and I, we struggle to wait for, for a week or two on anything, right? I mean, Amazon is making a killing because we can't wait, right? What if, it's, what if it's just five years, he's told at 18, and he's 23 years old? We don't know. What if age has nothing to do with it? But what if, instead, what if, what if the result of totally trusting God and His Word is is the readiness to leave this world regardless of our age. What if if God tells Simeon at an early age, he's not very old, and he just says, you're not going to die before you see the Lord's Christ. Would Simeon still have at 23 or 25 or 35 said, Lord, now I'm ready to go because I've seen your Christ. See, the reality is, while that's, probably a question that I'm reading into and I'm speculating here. It's not in the text, but but I just want to use our imaginations here is age should not matter. This baby and the assurance that we have that we are made right with God because of His life and His death and His resurrection on our behalf should allow us to live our lives with such expectancy to say, Lord, whether I live or whether I die, I'm all right because I know I belong to you. That's what Paul said later on. Here, this this peace of knowing this one, the the Lord's Messiah, should bring about a peace, not just simply a peace of knowing where we're going, but a a longing to be there. A longing that's so strong to be with Christ, to be with God, that it would allow us to, to depart from the things of this world even while we're living in it. J.C. Ryle, in his commentary on this passage, said, Simeon speaks like a man for whom the grave has lost its terrors and the world has lost its charms. And I wonder, have you, could, could you say the same thing about yourself? The grave for you has lost its terrors. The world has lost its charms in comparison with the Savior. You see, everyone will depart this world, but not everyone will depart in peace. Some go kicking and screaming. They, they live their lives. Can't, they, they can't simply imagine a world that is better than this one. With all that they have in this life, and perhaps they live a life that's, that's somehow delusional because they, they're born into a certain context and, and they have a certain amount of affluency, and they cannot imagine a world that's better than this one. Lord, deliver us from our stuff. And the thought of dying and leaving this world to go on to something else, we can't even imagine parting with what we have. Some live in fear every single day of, of that day, the day that they will actually die. And I would tell you that for those who are in Christ Jesus, we learn a lesson from Simeon, that death for us is not anything to be feared, it's not anything to be dreaded, it is something that is peaceful because it is a doorway into His presence. It is a reality that for us we, are, we will be with Him. And only those who are trusting in God and his, word, and his Word will depart in true peace. This baby brings peace. second thing, though, that Simeon points to here, why he is so joyous, is this baby fulfills promises. He says there also in, in verse 29, not only, Lord, you're now letting your servant depart in peace, but he says, according to your word. And and I'm sure in this moment, when when he says this, according to your word, Simeon is thinking about this personal promise to himself. But he has more in mind than just this personal promise. He has all of the history of the the voice of God. And how many times God has promised. And he has in mind that God keeps his word. You see, in Genesis 3.15, right after the fall... God promised to send a Redeemer. And in Galatians 4.4 4, we, we hear, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. The Old Testament said that Jesus, this, the Messiah, would be a descendant of Abraham and David. And according to Galatians 3.16 and, and, and also in Acts 13.22-23, He was. Isaiah 7.14 predicted that He would be born to a virgin. Matthew 1 tells us that He was. Micah 5.2 said the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Matthew 2.1 tells us that's exactly where he was born. Isaiah and Malachi predicted he would be preceded by a forerunner, and Matthew 3 reveals the name of that forerunner. It's John the Baptist. The Messiah, according to the Old Testament, will be a prophet like Moses, a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, the suffering servant who bore the sins of his people, ruler of the nations, the one exalted to the Father's right hand. And Acts and Hebrews and First Peter and Revelation and Acts again tells us all of those things are true about Jesus. You see, every promise that God has ever made, He has either already kept or He will one day. 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us that, that all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. And that is why it's through Him that we utter our, our amen to God for His glory. You see, when Simeon here is, is uttering this song, just exploding, erupting with joy, he knows that when he's looking into this, this, this child, this baby, this infant in his arms, he is looking at the answer of God's promise to the nation's. Even in this little baby, he understands that he is the fulfillment of promises. Third, Simeon erupts into praise because this baby saves people. Verses 30 and 31, he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Now, equating a baby as a savior seems like an odd thing to say. I mean, no one is is held up at gunpoint and says, oh, it's a good thing I brought my baby, right? No one goes to a restaurant and says, oh, I forgot my wallet. Oh, yeah, I've got my baby. No one typically turns to a baby to save them. But Simeon looks here at this child and says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Even before Jesus had left the embrace of his mother's arms, before he had gotten separated from his parents at the temple, before he spoke the words of his first sermon, before he promised his first miracle, before he was nailed to the cross, and before he walked out of the tomb, Simeon looks into the face of this child, and he knows that salvation was packed into the yet-to-be-lived life of this little baby. Not just his own, but the salvation of the nation's. He says there in verse 32 that, that he has seen the salvation in this child who will be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Isaiah 52.10 says that all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Do you realize today, church, that's you and I? All the ends of the earth. That when Simeon here is, is in the temple holding the, the infant Jesus He's able by the grace of God, through the Spirit of God, to look forward through the, through the through a, through history. And he can't see it. God knows. But, but he's allowed us to, to look into, because of prophecy, that one day there would be people that were outside the nation of Israel who would see this child as their Savior. And you and I sit here today as the ends of the earth. God, in His grace, not only chose a nation This little tiny nation for Himself. But He looked beyond that nation to save you and I. In Isaiah 49, God had said through the prophet Isaiah, it is too light a thing that you should be be My servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob or Israel and to bring back the preserved to Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that My salvation may reach to the end of the earth." And Jesus, when He came, not only does He bring peace, not only does He fulfill promises, but He saves people. And not just a select group of people in some faraway place, but He saves people to the ends of the earth. Aren't you glad? Verse 32, though, He says, not only will He be a light for revelation to the the ends of the nation, but He will be for glory to the people of Israel. So what does that mean? well the people of israel throughout their history have have not had the easiest of ways they've been mocked they've been ridiculed they've been they, they've been held in oppression i mean they, they've been they've been tortured and killed and at the center of of who they are they make this claim that that jesus the messiah the savior the son of god would come through their nation and all of, all of the mockery that Israel had endured through the centuries would come to an end with this baby. Now all of the oppression they had suffered at the hands of foreign kings. You think about them being carried off to Assyria and to Babylon and, and now under the Roman government. All of the prophecies that had been spoken that people laughed and said, that was a long time ago, it's not happened, it's not going to happen. All of it was going to come, come true here in this baby. That Jesus would, would be for the glory of the people of Israel. Finally, they would go from being shame and a laughing stock to all the eyes of the earth would be turned to them. Because God would show Himself to be true to His original promises through them. through the work of this tiny baby, He would be for the glory to the people of Israel. This baby brings peace. This baby fulfills promises. This baby saves people. And the last thing that Simeon wanted us to see is that this baby causes problems. You say, don't they all, right? At some point, in some way or another, babies cause problems. Those 3 a.m. feedings. New parents, not really enjoyable, right? First time you change that diaper, didn't really sign up for that one. But those aren't the problems that he's talking about. Up to this point in the book of Luke, Luke has, it, it is, it, it, with, the, with the angels on the scene and, and the song of Mary and all of these things, everything has been just rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. The Messiah is here. And for, for a brief moment here, Simeon brings some reality to where we are. And this ominous tone comes on and he He reminds us that this baby, while he will save people and he will bring peace, and he's going to fulfill God's promises, it will not come easy. This baby will cause problems. Verses 34 and 35. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You see, the first problem that this baby will bring is that it forces you and me to decide what we are going to do with this baby. We, we, cannot, we cannot just ignore this baby Jesus. We cannot ignore Emmanuel coming to, to, to dwell with men. We can't ignore it and say, I just won't make a decision about Him. You have to be on one side or the other. You, you can't be neutral in any way. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 14 and 15, He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling. Many will stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. You see, the, the picture here that Simeon and, and all the prophets gave was God would send His Son to save the world, but in His coming, not everyone would be saved. That Some would see Him as this sanctuary to run into, as their only hope. And others would see Him as this Simple man from Nazareth. A lot of fancy claims. He's crazy. He claims he's God. And some would stumble over him, particularly when he was nailed to the cross. They said, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And they would trip over him. And God had prophesied, he had said that either he's going to be a sanctuary or he's going to be a stone of offense. And, church, today I stand here as your pastor and I tell you that there is no neutral ground. You cannot remain undecided about who this baby is. He cannot simply be this this add on of, of, of your Christmas season. He cannot simply be another character among all the other characters. He is the central figure of human history. Time itself is divided on his life. You cannot, you cannot remain neutral. You must decide. Will you run into him as a sanctuary to see yourself as guilty before God, deserving of the condemnation, the wrath that you deserve, and see that he came and he took your place and he lived and he died so that you might be free? Will you run into him? Or will you reject Him? Will He be for you a stone of offense? And will you make claims that you've not done anything that bad, that would warrant anything that way? You see, you cannot remain neutral. You must decide. A decision to remain neutral is a decision against Him as Savior. This baby will cause problems in that He will cause you to to have to decide but the second problem that he will cause is when you follow him, it will not be easy. Simeon looks at Mary here, and he, and he says to her, "Mary." He pauses in the middle of this, and he, in, in the middle of this, saying that he's he's going to he's going to cause these issues. He's going to be appointed for the fall and rising of many. A sign that is to, to be opposed. He he. It's almost as if he catches a glimpse of Mary, and he locks eyes with her. And for a moment, he's transported outside of how this applies to everyone else. And he looks at Mary and he says, Mary, for you, a sword will pierce your soul also. And yes, this is a specific word to Mary. But it applies to everyone who loves the Lord Jesus and who follows him. That Mary, many times over, her, her soul would indeed be pierced. Her soul, her heart would sink when, when they left the temple and realized, where's Jesus? And they would go back and find Him there. Her her heart, her, her soul would be pierced by the many hurtful things that people would say about Him. Her heart would be pierced when her son was nailed to the tree. It would seem in that moment for Mary perhaps that everything that He had said, maybe it wasn't true. That all the angels, had all that they had said to her, All that she had heard when he's dying on that cross, perhaps it was all for naught. I mean, there he is, dying. Not only is this her son, but all of his life seems to be crashing to an end, and her soul in that moment must have been pierced. But then those three days later, when he walks out of the tomb, Her soul is healed instantly. She knows that it was not all for naught, that he was exactly who he said he was, that he was indeed there to be about his father's business, and his father's business was saving humanity. And the reality is that that the world's hatred for Jesus, since they crucified him, will get transferred not only to Mary, but it will be transferred to all those who follow him. I was on I-85 yesterday, and a truck passed me and on the back wind windshield window of this, this truck, uh, they would put these letters across the back window. You'd people just put a phrase or a saying up there. And across the back of this truck was born to be hated. I thought, what moves somebody to put that on their truck? You know, I mean, I have, I have no idea. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe haters are going to hate and he's just you know, getting it out there. I don't know. But, but I don't know why. But, but in that moment, I know this is really silly and this is where my mind goes, but I'm watching that truck as it's pulling away from me, born to be hated, and I thought, Jesus could drive that truck. That's, that's silly, right? But it's true. He was indeed born to be hated. that a world would hate Him, and because they have hated Him, they would also hate us. Those who love him will be hated and it will not be easy to follow him. But Simeon in that moment doesn't decide to to go against that and weigh the options and say, "If, if I follow this baby then it will mean hard times for me instead he just puts all of his chips on the table and he says no no this is the savior of the world god now you're letting your servant depart in peace you have kept all your promises he will save his people no matter what comes my way i am worth he is worth following lord jesus i worship you and i wonder this morning if that could be the cry of your heart that will you make a decision about this baby? Or will you allow another Christmas season to go by where it's simply this holiday with a lot of tradition and a lot of lights and a lot of presents and a lot of food and you'll laugh and you'll cry and you'll get frustrated with relatives and all those things, but the baby Jesus will just go on being another figure? Or will you this year see that He is God's line in the sand? And will you decide to follow him? He brings new hope for not only an old man, but for all those who will trust in him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. God, thank you that, that you have not left us in the dark. Lord, we love you because you first loved us you loved us in in creating us. You've loved us in sending your Son. Even now, Lord, after following you, though it is at times hard, we are looked on with with, uh, disdain from the world. Lord, I pray that you would give us the resolve, the faith to trust you, to know that even even in whatever comes our way, you love us still that you will not forsake any of us, that just as you came to begin with through the womb of this virgin girl, that one day you will come again and you will right every wrong and you will put away evil and death and sin forever and we will be with you. God, I pray, Lord, for in this moment, for those who have heard, Lord, that you might today grant repentance and faith. Lord, I can't do that. Only you can do that. But God, I pray, Lord, that through the preaching of the gospel, Lord, that some might hear and turn from sin and trust in you. Would you do it for your own glory? Lord, in this place, I know that there are Christians here that will be going into into situations where they will be around family members who are without Christ, friends who are without Christ, neighbors who are without Christ. Lord, I pray that this might be the year where We give great witness where we might, like Simeon, go into the the middle of whatever that situation or circumstance is, and we might hold up Jesus, and God, that others might be pointed to him and might follow him as a result. God, would you glorify yourself, Lord, in all that takes place, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you an opportunity to reflect and respond on what's been said. We celebrate. but our celebration is not without, not without a pause to think. If you're here today and He is your Savior, then bless God, thank Him. Maybe perhaps with, with the band that leads us, maybe you erupt like Simeon and you sing. But maybe you're here and you're not a believer. And today you need to trust Christ Might I invite you to come see me on the front row? I'd love to have a conversation with you and show you how today you can turn from sin, trust in Christ, and find Him to be the sanctuary that He promises to be. Whatever it is that God has directed you to today, would you follow Him in obedience? Let's worship Him as we respond. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.